Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So and Casey Wayne No So, and welcome back to another dope episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live, y'all. This week, the Heat come up short in the NBA Finals to the Denver Nuggets. The Panthers, they losing five games in the Stanley Cup Finals as well. And the Marlins are on fire as they head into the summer of baseball. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go! Still not over it. Still not over it. I mean, we're in mourning. You know, South Florida as a whole is currently in a state of mourning. Yeah, for sure. You wouldn't be able to tell by my vibrant, vibrant <laughs> wardrobe selection today. No, no, you are popping, <laughs> son. But uh, you know what? I asked myself, what would Grimace do? Oh, okay. And he wouldn't cry about his no, you nailed it. teams, you know, you nailed it. losing. He would just... You know, brush the dirt off his shoulders and, you know, look forward to the next best thing. Yeah, man. The next best thing is doing this, right? Being on the podcast, being able to talk about it and, like, no, this get is, it out, this right? This is the next worst thing. Why are we going to relive all this terror? Nah, man, because you know what? It's, it's kind of <laughs> like going to therapy, dog, right? And, look, we haven't seen each other for a couple of days, right? Um, Although we've been working on the show and all the stuff in the background, like, you know, we're enjoying the games, doing our research and whatnot and, like, sharing notes. And, dog... I don't know, man. Doing the post-game recaps with Rax, shout out to Rax, man. It it definitely helped out a little bit, but I needed a day of like processing, you know, and then I feel like I needed this in order to really get everything off my chest after what's happened this season and, and in the playoffs, yeah. right? Because it was a lot. It's a, this is going to be a time to reflect. Yes. You know, it's a time to reflect for sure, you know, and... um if you've been living on the rock, the Heat lost five games to the Denver Nuggets. Congratulations to them, you know, winning their first NBA title in 47 years. Um, we know what that feeling is like, right, to win a, your first title. So it's always special. And, yeah, they they ultimately were the better team, right? Their two best players were better than our combination of two best players, right? And we'll get into that more. But Joker is such an incredible talent, right? Um, what he's able to do. On a basketball court for a guy of his size is just ridiculous. And he broke a lot of records out there. Um, Murray as well played really well and, and, and made a big difference. Hit some big shots, right, in games four and five, especially in game five um, down the stretch. So you you don't feel too bad because ultimately you lost to a better team, even though we weren't fully healthy. They were. Um, and Hero probably would have made a difference in scoring for sure, right? How big? That's up for debate, but he definitely would have made a difference. Um, and yeah, you know, you you look at the game three loss, right? Which 109 to 94, and you're like, damn, we, we didn't even give ourselves a shot in that game. Both of these guys hit us up for a triple double, which was like the first time ever in NBA history, right? Where two guys get a triple double on in the same game and they win. Not not to mention that was the first of our home games. Yeah. Yeah, and it was a packed house too, dog. And people were there on time, surprisingly. Yep. And to to go down in that game like that, where we pretty much got bullied from the get-go, they were able to score in the paint a lot. Um, they out-rebounded us by 25, 58 to 33, and it was just like, damn, dog, where's where's the where's the fight? You know, and we didn't have it. it Spo emptied the bench with two minutes left in that game. Brought in UD. <laughs> made him the oldest NBA player to ever play in the finals, overtaking the great and um, powerful Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, man. So UD's got another record in his record books as he sails off into retirement from basketball. Um, sucked to yeah, have that was, home game loss. It was demoralizing, especially after, you know, winning game two in Denver where, you know, we're as fans, we're looking at it feeling good going, all right, we got one. We got one on the road. It wasn't the first game, but we still got one. And now we're coming back home where we do well, where we have been doing well, where we've been playing, you know, some really good heat basketball. And they just dogged us. They had their way with us. And then we're thinking, all right, there's no way, no way in hell we go down <laughs> twice to a row at home. There's no way. Right, so? No, there's no way, dog. But then we come out and we're colder than a polar bear's toenails, dog. 
You know, and, and that shit was very demoralizing because it's not like the Heat weren't getting opportunities. We were getting a bunch of opportunities. Nobody stepped up. Struess and, and, and Vincent combined killed us in, in both of those games, right? Because both of those guys were off. How do you get production from everybody else? Jimmy was, for whatever reason. We'll get to him. Not, not feeling it that day. Bam showed up, right? But even, even still, he didn't necessarily have his best game. Um, and we lose game four with Denver beating us in our in our, in their own our own game. They shot fifty percent from three, made I think fourteen of twenty eight, and we we were like in the twenty fives. Game was it game four or game three where we only went to the line twice? It was game no, that was game two or game one. No, no, it was one of the losses, and I'm thinking it was either three or four. But mm. now that I think about it, it might have been game three, and I think we rebounded. If we look at that stat line, I think we did better from the foul line or getting to the foul line in game four than we did in game three. Um, but still, man, it was it was always, you know, the, both of these games at home for us, we were never in it. You know, no. they just kept separating, and we kept closing the gap. And it was exciting because it was like, all right, cool. We're almost there. We're almost there, you know, to, to tie it up and then hopefully try to take the lead. And we never, ever saw that in these two games. No, because and, and it felt like, Joel, that every time we were getting on the verge of hitting a run or we would hit two big shots and get a stop. Boom. That next possession for Denver, they're going to the bread and butter, dog. The pick and roll with Murray and Joker. And that shit, no, no matter what, they got something out of it. What was it? A foul, a shot, a three point, whatever. They got something out of it. Now, whether they made all of those shots? No, of course not. They're, they're fucking humans too, right? But if they go 40% from that and have 12 shots in those pick and roll situations and they go eight and make eight or six, that's a big difference. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the bread and butter. And, that, and that's what was hitting. Joker was, was literally making everything with such touch. Every time he touched the paint, he would make a weird one and lay it up, and that shit would just go, whoop. He's a machine. That guy's a machine, bro, and it's 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 fascinating to see. And my boss, who who's a big Celtics fan, uh, you know, and, and he's an older cat, so he 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 was, you know, there for the Larry Bird uh prime, right? And he right. he talks about how Jokic, he's like, Man, you know, where he reminds me a lot of Larry Bird. You know, Larry Bird wasn't the most athletic guy on the court, but that guy had a like a nose for the for the hoop. You know what I mean? Like he knew how to get the ball in the hoop. Yeah. And that's what Jokic, you know, does. He does really well. But you talk about their supporting cast, man. This was the battle of the supporting cast, right? Because we yeah. know the superstars they have. We know we have a couple of guys that are, are maybe on, on their level, but can bang with those guys. And it was going to come down to the supporting cast. And their supporting cast outplayed ours you know and i'm not gonna call out our guys just yet you know what i mean from what we got from who and what we didn't get from who but um gotta give their guys props man you gotta give guys like you know michael porter jr 24 year olds who had some early injury issues to get into the league and he he had a presence down there especially with the big body made some big shots aaron gordon you know shout out to aaron gordon you know i mean it's good for that guy man after you know the days in orlando magic you know most players from the magic never get to see that or make it to the the big game and you know for him to rebound and, and you know on a Denver Nugget team and be a part of that right he played really really big Contavious Caldwell Pope had some had good some minutes moments. for they that he wasn't a high scorer but Bruce Brown from the U shout out Bruce Brown from the U dog he had some crazy crazy moments crazy dunks and like just kind of fast breakaway moments and stuff like that Christian Brown the white boy the rookie sensation yeah. you know he had some out. big minutes for those Balled guys and all of their supporting cast executed when they needed to yeah especially in the in in game five right where we lose 94 to 89 which dog that's the game that's gonna kill us as he fans right because we were in that game dog and not only in it joel with a real possibility of winning that game and if we win that game god knows what happens to the rest of the series right because now theoretically you're coming back home to at least play game six and 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 now you're on your home on your home floor and you should be able to break the losing streak that you were on and their last four games at home the Heat have been 0-4. That's two against Celtics, two against um, Denver. And we were 6-0 on our home floor before that. So something had to change in that dynamic. And, and us not being able to defend home court really did us in. And it even did us in in the Denver series because of the Celtics series. Had we closed that game in five, right, at home, boom, hey, let's win game five at home. We got time now to rest, just like Denver did, prepare ourselves, get everybody a little bit more healthy, and now go into a f- NBA Finals with a possibility of having Tyler Hero come in, right, and change things up off of the bench. 
We didn't get that opportunity because we didn't close out the Celtics. By not closing out the Celtics, we go into facing a very healthy and on-fire Denver team and us coming in kind of a little bit battered because we just went through a seven-game you know, war when we shouldn't have been in that war. So that those games are, are always going to come back and haunt us. Um, and game five, man, you know, the guys showed up. Joker showed up. 28 points, 15 rebounds, four assists. Did big boy things, dog. And uh, nobody on our team had more than 25 points or 22 points even for that. Jimmy Butler had 21, um, 9 of 11 from the free throw. Finally started getting some of that, even though three of those were from that three-point shot in the fourth quarter. Which was a questionable call. Questionable. I will say this. Game five's officiating was a mess. It was, it was probably bad. the worst that we've seen in the postseason. It was all over the place. And I don't mean that in the sense that they missed calls for the heat. No, it was just, just all over calls. the place for both both teams. Like it was weird, and then the makeup calls that they were doing were egregious. It was like, well, what are we doing here? Why aren't we calling fouls? Why are we calling certain fouls? Like this is an NBA finals deciding game. Like so, whatever. But anyways, um, bro, my, my biggest thing, man, you know, for for this series against the Nuggets, you know, they were the better team. They are the better team. That's right. why the outcome was what it was. Right. But I think that we could have shown a better display of. Um, competitiveness out there that we displayed in the first three rounds of the postseason. Four, if you count the playing tournament, the the, the one that right. we won to get into the playoffs, um, that we didn't display. And you know, we only had it in game two, and we kind of showed glimpses of it in game five. But the underlying, you know, reason why we were not there, in my opinion, was Jimmy Butler. Yeah, Jimmy. Let's talk about Jimmy it. went from Hemi carrying the team on his back, things that he did against the Bucks that we were like, this is that dude. We were calling him greater than Dwayne Wade, potentially, if you came and went on to win this this championship. And now he's left us with a taste in our mouth that's like, where's that bubble Jimmy, you know, that left yeah. it all out there against the Lakers? You know what I mean? That had memes made about him leaving it all out there, putting the team on his back. I get that <laughs> we needed to put more pieces around you then for you to help you out. But now this year, we didn't even get that out of you. And I don't know if that was a matter of what was going on off court. There was rumors and speculation about some, you know, interpersonal matters that he's dealing with. Or if it was just the pressure of the moment or being tired, you know, from all the basketball we've already played. I don't know if it was a combination of all that stuff, but very underwhelming performance from Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're right. We didn't see the confident Jimmy in the finals. We didn't see the confident Jimmy in the finals because even in the Celtics series, right, we saw him step up and put games away, right, when when he needed to and, and make it make it happen for us, right, in game seven, um, which he played incredible, 28 points that game. But then zero momentum with any type of firepower in game one, only scores 13 points. Game two, we win. Um, he scores 21, makes some clutch shots down in the fourth quarter. Cool. And then... The rest of the games, yeah, he scored. He had that 28-point uh, game in game four, uh, three, but it wasn't enough. And even still, he didn't do him enough himself to make big shots when we needed to make shots in the second and third quarters, right? Not necessarily only at the end. And he, he felt like his, his presence on the attacking end was shrinking. Because there were so many times where I, I saw him driving to the hoop and immediately look for a pass, immediately look out you know, to make a move instead of initiating contact, trying to get these guys in foul trouble and, and us build off that momentum. And and even still, I'm not saying it would have worked enough to beat Denver because there were a bunch of times where we did get Joker in foul trouble. Right. And we really didn't take advantage of those minutes where we lost those minutes or it was pretty much even. Right. So not necessarily that would have worked, but his aggression would have allowed him to get to the free throw line a lot more often in these games. There was only one game where he shot more than double-digit free throws. It was the last game. That was it. And all the other games, this guy was getting to the free throw line 12, 14, an average of 11, you know, 12 times a game. That's a big deal, dog. You're slowing the place down. You're taking guys into foul trouble. Now you're changing up the matchup in our favor. Like, a lot of things come from that, dog. And... Jimmy wasn't there for that. And for the for people who were hating on Bam, right, and saying, Bam, we need you to step up. We'll get to him. You know, well, he did his thing. So there's no way that you could look at this NBA Finals loss and be like, damn, Jimmy didn't have help. No, no. That's not the that's, that's not this the, year. That, that's not the question. That's we'll, not the question. We'll get to Bam. Let's put a pin on Bam because we're going to get to that one right now. But last closing remarks on, on Jimmy was, for me at least, 
questionable decision making for him. For a fact. You know, kind of like you were alluding to, you know, the the indecision as far as what to do with the ball or like wanting to get rid of it. I mean, prime example, end of the game. Yeah. End of the game, he drives it into the lane right into Jokic. And instead of just trying to go up and at least trying to draw contact, he throws a wild pass out that ends up getting stolen by Kentavious Caldwell Pope and pretty much just seals the game. Yep. You know, and then besides that, he was absent, man. If it wasn't for those three three pointers that he shot, that he got hot at the end, he made one, then he made another, then he went up for the third that he got fouled on. Right. If he doesn't do that, those nine points in the last, you know, two, three minutes or whatever, Jimmy puts up 12, 13 points in a deciding game NBA five. finals game. I mean, that's that's not what you want to see from the guy that's put the team on his back for the last three years. The guy that's gotten you there. The guy that has been clutch time in and time out has hit big shots for you, you know, and it's like this. This is the second opportunity you got. And this is what you did with it. You, you know, you kind of squandered it, in my opinion. A thousand percent. We were leading going into the fourth quarter, Joel. And, and up until that point. Right. We're up one seventy one to seventy heading into the fourth and up until that point. Jimmy Butler was two of 12, two of 13. Yes, correct. So we're the Heat are winning the game, right? In spite of Jimmy playing horrendous on offense, right? So when you look at that, you're like, hell yeah, we squandered an opportunity. And it's mainly because of Jimmy. We can burn Strews, Vincent, all these other guys. We can burn these guys for sure for their performances because they weren't great or at least to the level that they were showing in the playoff run, right? Sure. But the main guy. The main guy. Is Jimmy. Yeah. When we need to get big buckets, it should come from Jimmy. And and those are games, especially in an elimination game on the road, those are games where your star has to show up for you. You can lose the game, but he has to show up for you. And you can't just leave it on Bam to, to come out here and put up the offensive firepower on this team. Just felt like he let us down. And, I, and 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 it's tough to even say that, and it sounds stupid, dog, because of the amazing run that we had in the yeah, playoffs. And it wouldn't, we wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Jimmy. But if we're looking at it from a, a one-game standpoint, you know, not taking into consideration anything else, just by a game-by-game game analysis, Jimmy was definitely the not the leader. You know, he, he didn't play like the number one guy. Let's pull the pin. Okay. We're going to put that pin up there. Let's pull the pin. Okay. I told you this before the show, and I firmly believe it. If the Heat would have won this series, we would have gone on to win it. All things remain the same. Our finals MVP for the Miami Heat is not number 22. Nope. nope. It's Bam Adebayo. Bam played beyond. Not No, not beyond. I won't say beyond. Bam played to our expectation of him Bingo. this NBA finals. He played defense on every position. He played big minutes a lot. He got barely any rest. And we got offensive production from the guy. Plenty. Was it sloppy at times? Yeah, sure. You know, are there, sure. were there some frustrating moments where it's like, damn, bam, always. why are you doing? You're always going to get always. those. But when you weigh it all out, he was our best player in this series, hands down. Our most consistent player showed up every single time and did his best offensively to help Jimmy get buckets. Right. Help Jimmy get buckets. Help Jimmy get a better advantage on on offense. Help Jimmy, you know, kind of unload the pressure off of him. Bam did that this series. Was he super efficient? No. But then again, you got to look at the matchup that he's going up against. He's going up against like uh, Jokic, the MVP or should be MVP. Well, he was finals MVP, but he should have been the NBA season, regular season MVP as well. This guy is a, a, a big body, not necessarily the greatest defensive center ever, but Doc Bam is giving up four inches, you know, three inches to this guy and another 80 pounds almost, right? And Bam still did well, Doc. Put up 20 points in almost every game, yep. uh, was in the rebounding double, double. game, double-double every time. So he met our expectations and probably even exceeded it because people doubted that he can do so again. And he did it. He definitely did it um, at the highest level. At the highest level yeah. against the hardest competition. Yeah. yeah. So you're 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 happy with him. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're happy with him now. Besides Jimmy, Jimmy can't take all of the blame. You know, two other people that I gotta you know point at and say you kind of let me down a little bit. But you know what I mean? It, it's it, I'm not gonna forget everything you did prior to this. Two people in particular for me. Who's that? Caleb Martin, Gabe Vincent. Yeah. For Gabe Vincent. 
He got bullied, dog. Yeah, the kid yeah, got he bullied. He got abused. He got, he got abused. abused. He got abused this and series he was by everybody. And he was and, off. Well, it's not just that, man. I mean, he, you're getting dogged. You know, you're getting. You got so much size around you. You know, you can't really f- get your plays off, your finesse shots and shit like that. You're, you know, in rhythm, and then on defense, like you can't stop anybody. Everybody's way bigger than you. You can't yeah. get a stop. Yeah, and they're just going at you over and over and over again. That's just demoralizing, dog. And then Caleb Martin, I know he was dealing with, uh, I think he was sick. He was dealing with some flu-like symptoms of right. game three and four. And he was a big proponent of our hustle guy, like out-rebounding people. You know what I mean? Getting in there for the hustle plays, getting the offensive rebound, second chances. I think we he did that, though. We were not not really. When you look not at, at how, the same how, level. Exactly, dog. Not, and then when you count Jimmy not being at his where he needed to be, we need more, not less of that Caleb Martin and that Gabe Vincent. And yeah, we were dog. getting less of both of them, which... I get it. I get it. But but in in my eyes, right, yes, you, you can ask that of these guys. But what's the realistic probability of those guys giving it to you? You know what I mean? There's a reason why those guys are our fourth, fifth option, third. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. We can ask those guys to step up more. Kevin Love, right? Do the most that you can with your minutes. Um, but but some guys aren't going to be able to do that as consistently. And those guys picked a bad time to be off. Struess picked a really bad time to be off in this series. Struess, I didn't mention if, if you noticed. I, he reason, deserves blame too, dog. And the reason I don't, bro, is because Struess... You know, defensively on the two-way side, did a better job. He did more of those hustle plays. Joel. And, bro, there's so many times where I see that kid get fouled, bro, and they never call it, bro. I guess, dog, but that doesn't help him with the rest of his shooting. I get he that. He struggles I, shooting. No, 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 Joel. He put up zero points in multiple games, I know, dog. I know, dog. That's not a good thing. Oh, I know. That's so not then, good for so nobody. Then, uh, I, so it goes back to it with, like, the Gabe Vincent thing. Yeah, those guys are going to do heat culture shit, which is play defense, Right. They're not going to be a minus on the defensive unless the matchup size is definitely out of their way physically. And Jamal Murray is a bigger guard. So if, if they do that swing, he's going to be bigger. Even Bruce Brown, um, uh, Christian Brown, too. Mm-hmm. Both big guards, right? Both yeah. big uh, wing-type players. So I get it. They're going to be in, mis- in, in disadvantages. But to ex- expect so much of them is kind of like a little bit too much, in my opinion. Because, again, if it if it's that Jimmy's doing his that's, thing and we need the difference makers, then, yeah, we need our difference makers to step up. But that's you saying that now in retrospect, dog. Going into this series with the performances these guys had and the storyline around these undrafted players yeah. and how high level they were performing – Dog, I it's, mean, Joel. It's, it's it's an issue, bro. It's an issue. It's part. Yes. It's part. It's not. I'm not solely blaming these two individuals or three individuals. It's it's a collective of all those guys not clicking, like you said, choosing the worst times to step up to to, to, to not, not step, step up. up. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but but, another, but it kind of leads us into the future, right? Yeah. And, and, we what, and what do we do? And what do we figure that out? Because but, I'm sorry to cut you off, but like because those guys that we're, we're that we're discussing, right? That are the role players on here. We got to make some hardcore decisions about these guys in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of days, because, you know, the draft is next week. And then after that, free agency opens up in the NBA. So, like, we're going to have to have a vision of who are we going to keep from this squad and who are we going to move forward? Right. Because, bro, hey, Jimmy Butler, are you one for the series? But he still got us here. So that guy's coming back next year. He's our best player. He's our leader. Right. Um, We know what the hell we can expect from Bam moving forward. And we know that Bam is gradually going to keep getting better and keep getting better. His field goal percentage is going to increase as he gets more comfortable hitting those shots, which hit a ton of in this series. Who else stays? Does Jimmy stay? Does Lowry stay? Do we sign and trade for that package deal for somebody? Who do we bring in? What type of position do we bring in? Who else is available? Do we try to re-sign Gabe? There's There's a ton of questions, right? Um, even Highsmith, Yurts, what do we do with those guys? Do we bring them back? Do we try to give these guys more minutes? Ton of questions leading into this. And not to mention the Heat are in a really good spot because this is the first summer I think that they're gonna be able to use their first their future first round draft picks, which we have four of, I believe. And we also have the 18th pick in the NBA draft, which is pretty good, really good actually for a team that just went to the NBA finals. Um, so very interesting how many different ways that he can go about this business. But one thing is for sure, those guys that we're talking about, you know, we're going to have to make a hard, hard decision and say, we got to either move this way or the other way. But 
to expect this team as constructed to make another run like this is really tough to say because all truths be told, Jimmy's Butler win, Jimmy Butler's window is closing. It's closing fast. Um, we've already made two NBA finals run with this guy. So how many more do we have in the books? How close can we get there? Now, there's been some rumors that the Heat are interested in a lot of point guards, right, or a lot of shooting guards that are named Damian Lillard, right? Uh, other guys, Kyrie Irving has been popping up. Um, Bradley Beal is another guy who's working with Washington to kind of find a, a suitable trade partner. Um, the, he's the only guy in the NBA, as a matter of fact, that has a no trade clause, which is wild. Who's that, Beal? Br- Bradley Beal, dog, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting, but the Heat know they got to make moves because of Jimmy Butler. And not necessarily that Bam can be your second best player, but if Bam's your second best player, then your three through eight guys need to be really good as well and really consistent, you know, because Bam's not going to be able to give you more than, you know, what? He, he didn't really hit 30 points this game, this series, so he's never going to be a 30-point scorer. The most you could hope for that guy is for him to hit between 20 to 24 and hit him at a 50%, 55% clip. Unless we were able to get an actual true big man a to Lopez. play the five, and then Bam can play the four and play more of a boss role, where yeah. he's not having to bang down low, be the five. We and can he, have somebody else do that for him. Play, be like on the elbow and shit. It could happen. So, you know, you, you, yeah, bro, we got, we got some things to consider for next year. You know, Jimmy's 33, you know. He's not getting any younger. Nope. Bam, and he's, and Bam, he's making big money. Yeah, next year he's owed 45 mil. Um, besides him, Bam, Bam's 25, you know, we got him under contract. He's good. So we know, boom, one and two are, are good to go. Uh, Cal Lowry last, last year of his deal, he's expiring 30, contract. 30 million dollars next year. Yeah. Expiry contract is a very, you know, good asset to have as a, uh, for a trade. Do you know we bring I mean? back a 37 year old who, and, and, and that's what I wanted to talk about him before we jumped into the future of the heat, but it's perfect. It's, segue. Part, it's part of it. You know, Lowry, we gave a lot of shit to. I've given a lot of shit to on this podcast, you know, over the last couple of years. And he's kind of redeemed himself in my book slightly over this last playoff run, man. You know, just kind of showing what we wanted and expected of him the last two seasons, especially last postseason, yeah. as far as what you were arguing for, which is like a, a floor general, a commander, somebody that in big moments knows what to do, can play big, you know, sacrifice his body, yada, yada, yada. And dude, we saw him at being one of the smallest guys on the courts, you know, Take Ding up some of the biggest guys. He had out a there. big tip back to to Bams for Jimmy to hit a three, and and he he had some big minutes, man. So you know, do we just ride it out for one more year? You know, it's already on the books, anyways. Or do we use that, like you said, for trade? You got Duncan Robinson, eighteen million next year. He's twenty nine. Oladipo, nine million left on his contract for next year. Thirty one years old. He's out of here. I know yeah. that. I I, per, I can almost count yeah, on that. Yeah. Goladipo's not coming back. Caleb, he has a player option, so he's going to opt in, but we're going to definitely try to move him. Caleb Martin, $6 million ne- next year, he's 27 here. years old. He's here. He's staying here. He's, he's not staying. going nowhere unless, again, we trade him as a piece, but, he, nah, but I, I think, think he's he serves as a good role player for us for, for a good sure. price. Tyler Hero and uh, Tyler Hero's 23, owed $27 million next year. Next couple of years after that, we're tied up through 2027. That could be a possible trade piece right there. Um, and then we got the other two guys tied up for money next year are Nikola Jovic and, and Haywood Highsmith. Both are keepers. They're, we're not getting rid of those guys just because of the, the deal we're, we're getting on those guys. But, Correct. I mean, you look at Kevin Love was on a one-year deal. UD's retiring. Struce, Struce we got to figure out what we're going to do with Struce now. Gabe Vincent, do we resign? The, you know, I think those are the two big question marks is Struce and Gabe Vincent. Um, cause we're not gonna, we're not gonna see Cody Zeller <laughs> next year and that. So hell no. Uh, I think those are the two main ones right there. Dog is Struce and Gabe Vincent. What do we do with those guys? I think, bro, I, if I'm speaking honestly, in my, just in my opinion, I think you got to think about not getting either one of those guys and seeing if you can get a little bit younger in that position. Right, a little bit younger. Not that that Strews and both twenty seven. Yeah, you know what I mean. Not that they're old, but like again, they probably reached their peak with us. Got to remember, they've been us with a minimum for two years already. So, I'm kind of figuring that you have to look at moving on from those guys first, right? But a lot of that depends on who we're able to trade for. 
like I mentioned earlier, we have some options. There's some real options being made available to the Heat. And if you're listening to all these podcasts, um, including this one, that talk about players being dope, you're going to hear Damian Lillard's name. You're going to hear Bradley Bill. You're going to hear Kyrie Irving. You're going to hear those names being thrown around with the Heat because the Heat are looking for that. And... You know, Shams came out and had that report that the Heat looked in, into Kyrie Irving around the trade deadline this year. We had talked about that, and not necessarily that being the the rumor, but just the possibility of the Heat being in for him. And at the time, it was like, well, maybe we don't really need a player like him. But it's ob- obvious that we need a offensive talent to match whatever Jimmy brings or lacks in offense, right? I just know that the Heat are in a good position. Do I know who they're leaning towards? I'm pretty sure they're leaning towards Damian Lillard. Um, yeah, he's not a spring chicken, right? He's he's up there, but I feel like he has big game experience. He's hit big game shots, right? To put his team into a, another round, to finish off a game five in his house, in, in Portland or whatever. He's hit big shots consistently in the playoffs. I feel like Bradley Beal maybe doesn't have that experience right so maybe it doesn't work and again the team the team is built or at least has a foundation that's good enough to get you to the finals so you got to kind of have that foresight of what is your competition going to be and how does that position that you're getting help you win that we definitely need that point guard maybe we try to move Lowry maybe if we get Damon you don't have to worry about resigning a Struce or Vincent you can find another guy or bring up a kid right um, he have options, like good options. I think a lot of of what's gonna be decided with those in between guys, right? Um, who stays, who goes? Because even Duncan's on the block too, right? We didn't really mention him, but that's a guy who signed at eighteen, nineteen, and nineteen for the next three years. Maybe we try to move him too. Yeah, I saw a, a rumored report or somebody who I think was messing with, you know, the salary cap trade calculator and all that stuff. And I think they had done a combination of um, Hero, Duncan, uh, a pick for Beal or Damian Lillard. Probably Lillard. It was one. It was one of the two. So yeah, that's that's those. I are think th- for, I think it was for Beal though, because I think for Lillard we would have to give him more. And the reason and the reason why because of his salary, his salary is. Through the roof, dog. That guy's making major bank. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I feel like once we make the move or who we end up with is going to tell a lot. Because the, like that always has a domino effect. The rest of the free agents that are looking for a new home, that are just got a, out of a deal and probably chasing a championship, they're going to look at us and be like, I'm the backup to Damian Lillard. Yeah, put me in. I'm the backup to Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I'll take cheaper contract. Oh, I'm going to have minutes if I'm a center because we don't really have a center. I'm heading down to Miami to play with this group of guys. So NBA f- players want to be with guys who are good. They want to obviously you know, be on good teams. The Heat have shown consistently that we can be good at building teams no matter what, are, what the circumstances are. Whether we have money in free agency or we don't. Whether we're hard cap, paying the luxury tax, or we're not. It doesn't matter. The Heat find ways to put together good competitive teams. So I don't expect nothing less for this season or this offseason because of the position that we're in, man. Um, but he got a, a really good good spot. So let's see what happens, man. Let's see what happens. Um, all I know is that to to kind of wrap up on the Heat and their season, I feel like... They definitely, definitely um, superseded any expectations, right? They made another finals run, which was the best that we could absolutely hope for besides winning. So to go from a team that was struggling throughout the season, really finding a hard way to find some type of competitive basketball, to get into the wild card, lose your first game, and then make your way out of that and reach the finals. Yeah, you got to commend this team. You got to commend this run. It's going to be one of the greatest runs in in heat history when it goes down in the books, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, proud of this team. Definitely played with house money in this postseason. Um, sucks we didn't get, you know, the ring, the championship, but we're, we're, we're knocking, man. We've been knocking. We're there. We're there. We're definitely there, dog. So it's time to get to work, Andy and Spo uh, and Riley. Let's figure it out. Let's improve this team. Same thing is going to be said about the Florida Panthers, dog. Dog, it's funny. All, all I talked about for the last couple of weeks, you know, is the parallels between the two teams. Wild. And holy shit, did they <laughs> they really like mirror each other these last couple of weeks. 
Wild, son. Wild, son. And and when we looked at it, right, when the finals were about to get started, we looked at both teams, the Heat and the Panthers, and we were like, man, the, the Panthers have a, probably a better shot, right? Because yeah. they have, you know, Vegas is a good team, the West, the best team from the West, obviously, throughout the season, and they played their ways through the through the playoffs. But the Panthers had so much momentum on their sides. They had to beat um, big teams, overcome a bunch of obstacles, and were really dominating the team that they were playing, right? Uh, swept Carolina. Uh, the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes, five games against Tampa Bay, coming back in seven games against Boston. So the Panthers were looking ready, battle-tested. No, it wasn't Tampa Bay. It was uh, the Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs, Toronto Maple Leafs, you know? And boom, Vegas showed up, dog, and whooped our asses, dog. Whooped our asses. I mean, in, in, two, in the first two games, they have outscored us twelve to four. No, yeah, it was Jesus. A, it was a brutal, brutal ass whooping. Um, nah, man, Vegas, same deal, man. Vegas was just clearly the better team. If you, you don't know hockey, basically me, and you're watching <laughs> that, you know, you're you're going, no, that team is just clearly better, clearly yeah. better, beginning to end. You know what I mean? Like their goal scorers were just far better getting better opportunities, you know, even shorthanded goals and shit like that they had throughout the series, like just shows like how good those guys were and their goalie is elite, man. We thought we had a, a great Bro. goalie, man. No, you know, no disrespect, big Bobby did your thing, you know, not this series so much, but Hill, man, that kid, Aiden Hill is a, Aiden beast. Hill is a beast, bro. That kid is an elite, elite, elite goalie. Elite, elite, elite. Goalie. Killed us, dog. He killed us. Yeah, that kid yeah, did yeah. not, did not let anything past him, bro. No, he really didn't, dog. And, Look in in these in these games, dog. Defense wins the championships, and Golden Golden Knights defense was way better than the Panthers' defense. You know, and when you look at the one game that the Panthers did win, which was at home, game, game three, three, right? We won that game in overtime, like the cardiac cats do, and it was a comeback. And the yeah. Panthers struggled to come back in that game. Every game for Golden Knights, except for that game, was an offensive juggernaut. You know, where they were getting tons of shot on our goalie, tons of opportunities in to front the of the crease. Where we were pulling our goalie in the second period. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, bro, and look, they had 12 plus 12, 24, 27 goals in five games. Crazy. Well, I mean, a lot of that was game five, the closeout game. Yeah. Bloodbath. Bloodbath, dog. And again, like I said, in, in that game three win, which was the first win ever in the Stanley Cups for the. For the Panthers. We got one, dog. We got one. We wrote it down in the history books. We got one. And it's so fitting that the guy who really made the difference for the Panthers this entire year scored the game winner, and that's Matthew Kachuk. That guy has been such an incredible, incredible player for the Panthers, dog. And and the impact that he's had on the squad, you know, and, and the city of Sunrise, bro, because 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 of him. That stadium started to get filled out more and more and more heading into the playoffs. And every single playoff game was rowdy, rowdy, rowdy. Like you could hear these guys cheering. You can hear the Panthers fans really getting behind the team. And a lot of that has to do with how they were playing. And Matthew Kachuk was their leader, dog. Yeah. And that guy really stepped it up, especially in that game. And and he was playing hurt, dog, because he took a mean check in game two. And you could tell that he was hurt. He got off the ice, dog, for a hockey player to leave the ice and leave the bench. And it was questionable whether he was going to return. You know what I'm saying? And the guy still came back and finished the game. Yeah. But you could tell that he was off. No, and he, and he was hurt the entire series. I mean, after game three, you know, game four and five, he missed He missed game five. Yep. You know, he didn't, he didn't even Fractured play. Fractured sternum, dog. Didn't even play. Late game five, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, backs against the wall, three one, down three one. And, you know, our best player, our Jimmy Butler, you know, on the ice yeah. is not going to be there for the entirety of the game. I yeah. mean, we knew it wasn't going to be good. We just didn't know it was going to be this bad. No, for sure. And you know what? I think it's not fair to equate him to Jimmy Butler, dog, because Kachuk showed up these playoffs way more than Jimmy and even in the finals dog like I said he's playing with a fractured sternum they didn't really release that until game 5 when he mm -hmm. missed the game right. but since game 2 when he took that big hit playing with a fractured sternum 
won game three. We lost game four, right? But he still was playing in game four yeah, at bro, home. But come on, don't disrespect Jimmy. We know he's still been yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Matthew Kachuk is is no, that Matthew dude. Matthew Kachuk is ho- hockey tough, bro. Hockey players are just that Way tougher. different, dog. It's Way a different, different breed, bro. Way but different. Yeah, bro. Chucky, I mean, you know, Chucky, uh, I, I don't know. I don't I don't even know if he's 100% if we have enough, bro. Like, those, uh, Marsh Salt, uh, Stone, uh, their captain, um, what's this other guy's that, that bro, they had killers, they had bro. Killers, bro. I, I didn't know any of everybody these guys, was bro. Scoring. And by the end of the series, I knew all of their names because yeah. they all kept scoring goals and getting their name, you know, thrown on the screen. I'm like, yeah, there goes another one for this guy, bro. This yeah. guy had a hat trick, bro, in the yep. third game. Yeah. In game five, I should say. Yep. And Smoked then one of them us. was an empty netter that he had Still. three or four opportunities at. But Hit that post like 14 hat- times. Bro, right? a hat trick in a Stanley Cup final game, my yeah, friend. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah, embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. It, it was rough. It was rough to watch, man. And you know what? Again, you got to you gotta tip your hat to them. You got to tip your hat to them because the Panthers tried to out-physical them in yeah. all those games. Game four and the game four ended in a brawl. Yeah, in a complete brawl, dog. That was pretty cool and game to see. five, too, almost, dog, right? Nah, when game the, five was a little more civil, but game four yeah. at the end, as soon as like it ended, bro, Boom. it was like it was on, that scene in like the replacements where you call hike and they all go after somebody and whoop their ass. That was yeah. what it was. Yeah. And look, you know what? Certain guys showed up. Barkov showed up this playoff series. Gudis. He showed up. Gudis showed up this playoff series. So even Verhage, right? He kind of slowed down a he little did. bit. He slowed down a little he bit. He slowed we down need more a little of that bit. offensive power from him. A thousand percent. Bennett. A thousand percent. Banner didn't really pop off. This Reinhardt. Year. Reinhardt didn't really. They had goals, but they didn't really pop off and really were like feeding off of Ch- Chucky's energy, right? So, yeah, man. It wasn't enough of a team effort as far as the offensive side was, but it felt like both our teams, the Heat and the Panthers, kind of regressed as they got to the finals. Yeah, and I don't, know, and we can point out a lot of things for the Panthers, but they just didn't have it. And, and it's tough to to blame Barky, dog, because Barkov is Big Bob is playing against facing 40, 50 shots from a, t- a very powerful offensive team. You meant Big Bob. Big Bob. Okay, yeah, right. yeah. That's another one right there, man. It's easy to go and blame the goalie. Like, damn, you're going to lift up all those goals. But, you know, they, they found... Somebody that guy. <laughs> but they found a weakness, and credit to them, they exploited yeah. it. You yeah. know, they found Big Bob's weakness being anything above the shoulder pads. Yep. You know, and I look at all the majority of their goals was all up here. Yeah. You know, and and um, that's gonna that's gonna lead us, you know, into next season. You know, to see, you know, we know we got to get better in in that regard. Um, but yeah, when when our defense is breaking down, when we're you know there, we're on we're on one side, and all of a sudden it breaks down, and then it's a two on one or a three on two fast break, and they're scoring on those multiple times, multiple occasions. It's like dog. I mean, that's how game five started. Yeah, bro. That's how bang, game five bang, started. Just quick, just quick down down out two of zero out of nowhere, and you're like, well. This was a good season, Panthers. Let's see if we can make it. We came back, scored that one goal, and then Las Vegas responded by putting up the next four goals in that period. Did you see our first goal in game four? Yeah. I think it was like a deflection or something Bro, like that. It was one of the wildest goals I've ever seen in hockey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how that's how much like we need we needed like that help luck. that night. Like the angels but, in the outfield type <laughs> shit. Yeah, bro. I forgot who it was that shot it. If it was Reinhardt, maybe or Verhage, but he shoots the puck. Yeah, ricochets off of one Vegas Knights defender's skate, hits another defender's skate, and ricochets into Ooh. the net for our first goal. Yeah, that's how that game went. And we were, I think, that game we were down like four zip quick or something like that in that for game. Sure. Three zip, I think it was three it was zip. Already, we went down. It was quick. already a losing effort. And then boom, boom, we got you know we got that goal. We got another goal, but it was just too far to reach, man. They, the the Knights just kind of did the same thing the Nuggets did, and they just kind of set the pace early on in games, and they never looked back. No, they didn't, dog. And and we lost at pl- trying to play their game. We try to out physical those guys. We try to you know be the tougher guys in the ice and all that shit, and it didn't work. It did not work. All it did was give us more penalties, which they took advantage of almost every single time. Yeah. That's another thing, man. Oh the my Panthers God. were killing it in the playoffs all of this entire run. And then, boom, faced the Knights. And it felt like the Knights' defense was better where they had four, three, four, uh, five guys on the ice. They were able to stop we our shots and get in the way of a bunch of them. Couldn't capitalize on power plays. It was no. reminiscent to last year. Yeah, it was brutal, man. It, it was, was like really it was just frustrating to watch this series, man. It was like, come on, we're better than this. We showed that we're better than this. But 
On to the next season, dog, for these cats. The one thing I will say, you know, is shout out to Maurice, you know, Coach Maurice, because he, uh, he you know, we, a lot of we, had, we had some questions about him early on in the season, and I think he proved, you know, he, he is the right leader for, for this, uh, this, this ensemble here. Yeah, for sure. You know, he, he dealt with a lot of adversity this year from both the media and, you know, maybe a couple of guys on the team. Um, one thing's for sure, the front office, uh, Zito and company, they, they definitely had his back the entire time. And his exper- experience paid off in the end, right? We were able to come back and, and make a historic run on, on Boston. Um, you go into your next series against the Toronto Maple Leafs, beat them in five games. And then you go on in order to win your second Easter Conference Finals ever as a franchise, you sweep the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, an ex-rival. So... Yeah, it's, an, it's 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 a big credit to Mar- Coach Maurice sticking to his his guns, right? Sticking to the program, um, making sure the guys bought in, and they really did buy in, and that's how they were able to make and even make uh, make the finals, but also make history for themselves in the finals. Getting that victory is going to do a lot of good things for this franchise, though, because now they got a taste of what the finals is and what it is to host a Stanley Cup finals, right? And how can they improve the environment for the fans? And how can we improve the team? What's the next level to, you know, to do it again and reach it? Now there's a a, a clear direction of where they have to go. It's not going to be a lot of questions um, because the core is good, really good. And yes, you can probably do the same thing like we were talking about with the Heat, where they find guys who are just a little bit more consistent. Now, we don't know a lot of the contract negotiations that are left. Um, We're going to be catching up on that, especially with the NHL draft and stuff. So, again, we're just going to be looking forward to what type of moves are made in order to improve the team. Because, again, the GM um, Zito, he's done a great job of making moves and having them work out. A, you know, example and prime example, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and the rest of the letters is Matthew Kachuk. He came in. Really put his his foot in the in the ground and say, guys, this is how we're gonna play. Let's all follow Barky, who's our leader. And if you need anything else, I'm walking down the line for us first. And he showed up every single game. Was our leading scorer on the year, leading assists, most points, carried the team in the playoffs, had big clutch goals. Okay, made the Panthers four and zero in overtime games. Like they really stepped it up another notch because of Matthew Kachuk. So I'm confident in this franchise doing the right move again and getting another player who can add to the team and, and make another run, dog. Why not? Hell yeah. Why not, man? Oh yeah, man. Go Panthers, man. Go Panthers. Great season. Great season, boy. Great season. And, and a very similar team like the Heat, you know, couldn't really find consistency throughout the season, bonded by by going through that adversity and, and really taking off in the playoffs when it matters the most, man. So shout out to the Panthers. What a great season. Uh, we got to shout out another team down here that's been – Getting not our not getting our full attention, even though they kind of deserve it. It's the Miami Marlins, second in the NL East, currently uh, what thirty seven and thirty one right now. Yes, sir. You got it after suffering a loss last night. Yep. Um, they're out on the West Coast on a road trip right now, but yeah, man, it's it's you know after what we've been going through here, these, these highs of highs and now these lows of lows and it's all just kind of come to an end. You know, normally this time of year, we just have nothing to look forward to for the next 70 days or so until right. football <laughs> gets started. But lo and behold, you know, our, our fish, man, they're, they're fighting. They're fighting for every game, man. And Killing it. they're not just, you know, above 500. They're, they're, they're in second place in their division in a real tough division. You know, we're ahead of the Mets right now. Yep. We're ahead of the Phillies. You know, I think we're only behind the Braves right Four now. Four games. Right? Yep. Four games behind the Braves. Currently. Which is, uh, it's a decent gap, but it's something that, you know, uh, it's, it's feasible. You know, it's attainable. Absolutely. We can, we can close that gap, you know? So, this is very, very reassuring for a South Florida sports fan that has been, you know, seeing nothing but winning for the last, you know, six to eight weeks or something like that. True. Uh, even though we didn't see that the last six to eight days. Um, but we got a winning a team that's in winning form. I mean, that's the Marlins. Joel, we're in the we're in a spot for the wild card right now. If the season ended today. This Tuesday, we'd be in the in the playoffs as a wild card team. And we know that the Marlins usually get hot and make big runs in the playoffs. But we know that the season doesn't end right now. There's Bingo. a lot of playoff left. A lot of playoff. Oh, However, of sorry. True. However, what we've seen is a steady improvement in this team from a consistency basis, right? They've been winning series and learning how to win series early on in the season. And then they dropped a couple and it was like, well, we need to kind of get back to ourselves and really 
rely on the guy who on the guys who are leading us. Right now, we have uh, Jorge Soler with 19 home runs, third in the majors, which is crazy because that's the most home runs he's had in any season so far in the last two years, except for when he hit 48 in 2019. So you got a guy who's back to form, back into a rhythm, hitting bombs, timely bombs. You got guys like Brian De La Cruz stepping up, really stepping up and being hot. Um, excuse me. In his last couple of games, he's been one of the most consistent hitters, hitting big home runs, driving in guys, and just finding a way to put the ball in play. Now, when we talk about who's really driving this force, and I'm going to bring a point up after we, we give him his props, it's, it has to be the number one batter as far as averages go in the MLB by a long shot, and that's Luis Arias. That dude has been incredible. The fact that this dude is even keeping that 400 average draw through 60-something games, 66 wow. games, is crazy. You tell me he's hitting 400 and it's 30 games in, it's like, yo, that's impressive. That's impressive. And this guy's beyond impressive right now, dog. He's doing something very historical, dog. And I don't know if he's going to be able to keep it up. I really hope he yeah, does. Yeah, that's, that's a question, right? Right, right. Last but, person to bat 400 was Chipper Jones in 08, I think. Yeah, I think bro. That's what I saw. No, 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 no. 400 it hasn't been done since... Um, or to have, to be at 400 oh, in through, this, through this yes. short of time in the was season. Chipper Jones. And I that guy was, was a beast. Right. So it's good company to be with. Hell yeah. And anytime you're in that type of talk, is 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 just wild dog and just shows you that there is a lot of talent on this Marlins team we've known that we just needed it it to show up consistently and really be a part of the offense um like I said you have when you guys when you have a team that has a good average between the first five six hitters not necessarily all the power in the world not necessarily uh, you know all the hits in the world but just being in that average where guys are bringing each other in that's what the Marlins have right now, and they're able to win games. Like I said, they went on a six-game winning streak. Granted, they play some of the worst teams in the MLB right now, right, which was Seattle. They also played um, the White Sox. Uh, that was Kansas City. They played uh, Oakland. Uh, they're not the best of teams in the MLB. I'll give them that, but they're still taking advantage in winning those games. They're still taking advantage in winning those series, which is what we really wanted for them in the beginning of the year when you and I were talking about them. Hey, be competitive, be in the hunt, be exciting, and be a team that we can watch and want to go spend a beer fest or something like that, a Dominican Heritage Night, a Puerto Rican, a Cuban Heritage Night, and people go out there and have a good time. And that's exactly what we're getting from this Marlins team, dog, and a lot of people really didn't expect that. No, I mean, we never know what to expect, you know, until they prove to us this is what the expectation is, right? Kind of like right. the Heat, kind of like the Panthers, kind of like the Dolphins now. You know, the the Marlins have, you know, led us to believe that don't fall in love with anybody because as soon as they get good, they're gone. Yeah. So it's like, fool me once, shame on you, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's the case anymore. You know, I think we are trying to build something now, something true, something real here. Um, and the beautiful thing is, so we're, we're watching it develop right in front of our eyes. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're seeing what's working and we're seeing what's not, you know, and it's nice to see obviously the, the winning results, but even on, on some, you know, some of the losses, you know, there's good takeaways on, on those as far as like some individual accolades that people are doing. And, and it's nice to see that we haven't had that dog. You know, we haven't had that the last couple of years. We've had little pieces. We had jazz. That's kind of been the main, you know, the main guy. Now there's other guys that are potentially going to outshine jazz, especially with him being out, being injured, not playing. You know what I mean? Araez, man, Luis Araez is taking all the shine right now. That guy is our, our number one right now. And, and fans are, are ecstatic. Anytime they see that guy up to, up to, up to bat. I mean, it's not only him. It's just, I think it's, like I said, the, the consistency between one through five, one through six, where you know that those guys are going to get hits and they're going to get hits to bring in people whenever they're, whenever they are, you know, presented with a chance. So we've seen by Brian De La Cruz be clutch. We've seen Jorge Soler have big home runs. We've seen Luis Arraez show up every single game and, and be a guy who's on base. You know, this guy's bat has a fucking point four hundred and thirty one. Uh, on base percentage. This guy's on fire, Joel. I told you last week, the, he's barely had games where he doesn't have a hit. Like, that's wild, 66 games into the season. And everything's been on the positive side for the Marlins because their lineup has been playing deep. 
Everybody's hitting. They're 10th in the MLB in average. They're 10th in, in the MLB with hits. And they're 22nd in home runs. So it's not the long ball. These guys are getting on base and getting, and hitting singles, hitting doubles to bring the guys in. They're not expecting to load the bases up and boom, somebody clean it up. That's not what's happening with this Marlins team. So we're very efficient, like you said, and we're very good once we get on the bases. A lot of that helps our pitching because right now, yes, we have pitching that's been above 500 and those guys have had really good performances, but we're six games above 500 without our ace being our ace. Now, recently, he's been pitching better. In his last two outings, he's he's been doing really well. Um, but his record is still, you know, 2-5 and five on the season with a 4.75 ERA. Now, like I said, granted, he's been doing really good in his past couple of games. He's only had a one, um, you know, against Oakland. He gave up five runs. But his next outing, he was able to go up, uh, only give up one run on a home run and pitch seven innings in order to get the, the win. He... Not to his level of pitching. He hasn't had double digits in his last five starts as far as strikeouts go. So he's not dominant right now. But it looks like he's getting back into the groove, which is a lot better than most of the guys that if he's in a groove, he's probably better than 60% of our staff. And I'll imagine him being elite. He's obviously one of the best in the MLB. If the, if the Marlins can keep up this pace offensively, meaning continue to be a team that, you know, constructs runs, puts guys on bases, steals bases, brings in runs that way, then when the pitching does get it turned around, Hazel Cesardo has been great. Um, Edward, Edward Cabrera has been great. Even though they've, they both lost games against Seattle, they've been on a really good streak so far. And even Yuri Perez, we mentioned him on the last episode. He's been a guy who's been very helpful in, in the rotation, eating up a lot of innings, going five innings, striking out guys, and being a force coming out up as a, a rookie into the big show. You know he's our tallest player? I didn't know that. How tall is he, bro? Six, like eight. Jesus, that's a small forward in the NBA. Did you know he's also one of our youngest players? He's 20 years old. He dog. just turned 20 years he's old in April, dog. He's a baby. Wild. And he's pitching tonight against the Mariners. For those of you listening to this last night, you would already hear the result. Yep. And I, I, I again, I hope you guys watch the game because I'm pretty confident he's going to go out there and give a good performance. It's a 940 game, Papa. Papa, I'm saying up. You are not staying up for that West Coast. I'm going to text Marlins you. midseason game. It's I'm going to text you pictures. Game, bro. No, I'm going to text you pictures. I know you'll be putting on your notifications at night. So when you wake nah, up in the morning, you're going to see seven. <laughs> do not disturb Seven me. fucking messages from So-So, dog. Hey, Yuri Perez is looking great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully, man. We need it after that loss uh, last night against, uh, you know. Yeah, we got to try to salvage this. We got to bounce back. Try to salvage just the series, get one out there. Yep. Um, the road trip has been a success so far. You know, um, we won the series against Chicago. Even though we lost this series against Seattle, we've gotten some really good opportunities. Um, and now we're going to head to Washington before we come back home to face Toronto and Pittsburgh. Pay attention to the Martins because this is a team that's going to sneak into a lot of those um, conversations when it comes to the trade deadline, right? And who's a player who's going to be a mover and a shaker. And we might just be able to get that big bat that can make a difference. Like I said, the Marlins have built that the team as a team that doesn't need the home run ball because we haven't gotten it. But if you do add on another home run bat to that, can't hurt. it just makes the offense even better. And, you, and now you're talking about being a top five offense rather than a top 10 offense. And that'll be crazy. We just need the pitching to to match that. You know, we need our guys to go on a two, three game, you know, winning streak or without a loss, at least get the no decision and continue to build on this season and win series. I love it. Um, the fact that we're six games above 500 is amazing to me. Uh, keep it up. Yeah. Keep it up, Marlins. Keep it up. I, I'm loving it, dog. I'm loving it. We got to get out there to the game. Dog. Yeah, so, I'm going to put a guy's so. night out tonight. For something, I got you on the side. You know, we'll let everybody know on the side. Maybe um, let's wrap up with our favorite pastime, right? Golf. We got the U.S. Open coming up at the L.A. Country Club this week, and yeah, bro, uh, pretty open. It's pretty open the field. What do you think? I think it's gonna be a bloodbath. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think. I mean, it hasn't been back at L.A. Country Club for seventy-five years. It's the first time. <sighs> That uh, they host a major there. 
um, and it's a U.S. Open. So anything U.S. Open in the name, I mean, I saw I saw one of the funniest videos come out this week from from somebody just kind of making fun of the whole U.S. Open video or whatever. Uh-huh. And he's just standing in like a you know a field of like weeds that are like six feet tall. He's like, look how deep the rough is, and like he just drops the ball. He's like, you can't even see where it went. Or the one that the ball like, rolls from the side. Uh, yeah, they, they, like, he throws it on concrete, and he's like, it's rolling for. He's like, look at the greens. It's like because that's exactly what they do at U.S. Opens. They make the rough really really long, four five six inches, and then the the greens are fast and firm so it's going to be a total bloodbath out there i think for the last one the pga championship i said you know i i would see the winner in the double digits that for sure ain't happening here you're probably going to get like a four five if if that if bro, that if that it might be like two three under you know so but i mean stack field it's the, the first uh major tournament after the whole live uh, PGA merger announcement, which is right now being Still investigated. Cloudy. There's a lot of cloudy details and stuff being investigated right now, but the U S Supreme court and the Senate and all that good mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we're going to see what comes of that later on, but all, all, all everybody's in the field. All your favorite guys, Scotty Scheffler, world number one, John Rom, current masters champion, Brooks Kepka. PGA champion Victor Hovland Victor Hovland recent uh champ you know crazy champion recently at a was the RBC Correct. heritage um you, dude stack Rory. field yeah, sh- uh, I, was hey. trying, I was trying to get all the elite players out there okay uh, well, that's well, a, that's a shot at Rory right there big time well well, well you know Rory's going which, through it right now bro that is. poor guy's going through it and this is a guy that that's going through it and I actually wanted to get your opinion on it because for me you know John Ron a couple of we- a couple of months ago was the guy and we were talking about how he was going to be untouchable throughout this season and really go after masters and in these masters or these big trophies right not necessarily the masters but for these majors he hasn't really been playing his best golf you know there was that one where he didn't even really make it into the final round at a high level and no, it was recently at the PGA Championship. Yeah. The second major. He, and he's doing he commentary and stuff, you know? Yeah, he was in the booth and stuff. And that's a guy who who kind of, in my opinion, looks like he's not on his best game right now heading into a major where he knows the rest of the field is probably playing a little bit better than him. What do you think about what's going on with John? Nah, dude. John Rahm is arguably the best player in the world. I think because of the fact that he didn't have the performance that he wanted after the mm-hmm. PGA Championship, it's probably locked in since then. And we're mm-hmm. probably going to expect to see, uh, you know, a top-notch version of John Rahm in, you know, in this tournament here. Um, better think- than Brooks? That's that's the other guy, man. That's the question. I think, I think Brooks right now is in top top form, and the the fact that you know this could go. I mean, obviously it's cliche. It's good. I'm gonna say what I'm gonna say, but <laughs> it can go to one of two ways. You know, Brooks Rush. can either roll yeah. over, you know, have that hangover from the you know PGA Championship, and just kind of like whatever, you know, like he doesn't have his best performance or whatever, right? Or he doubles down. He's locked in, and he's like, Nah, dude, I'm winning a third U.S. Open. <sighs> I'm winning my sixth major yeah. here today. You know what I mean? Like he, he one season, I, that that victory, that victory of the PGA Championship just looks so dominant, and he just he just looks like he can take it, take them all down from here on out for the rest of the way. But it's going to be a slugfest, man. Don't there's a guy you know who is world number one right now who's saying, "What about me?" And that's Scotty Shuffler. Yeah, Scottie's and I was going to bring him up. Scotty's always in the mix, and, and I was going to bring him up because that's a guy who also hasn't necessarily been as great as he as he has shown right in this past season and even in these past tournaments but he's always in that that mix like you said top 20 top 15 makes a great uh, you know has a great last two days to put himself in the money and to put himself in the top five and make it a little bit close but he hasn't been dominant quote unquote what do you think of this course for him is it something that he can take advantage of being that he's a guy who doesn't necessarily have to worry about bombing things he can play real directional golf and and put himself in a real good position to get as many birdie attempts as possible how do you think this is going to turn out for him in this weekend I think Scotty's uh he's a fairway finder, so that's the number one thing at a U.S. Open is you got to find the fairway. Right. If you're in the rough, you're stuck. But we've also seen him make some magic out of tricky situations and tricky lies, so that might play favorable to him. But you talk about you know the course itself and who can do well there. A guy like Max Homa mm. has a, a course record sixty one at a country club from his time in college. That's wild. Well, that was a long time ago, though. Mm, yes and no. I mean, you, you talk, you know, uh, who was it last year? Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, U.S. Open at the country line, uh, you know, the, the country club at Brookline, Massachusetts. He played there and he won the U.S. Amateur yeah. there eight years prior to that. 
Not too far off, dog. No, so you talk no. about, you know, a guy like Max Homa who grew up in California, strives in California play, and has played there, shot a course record there. I mean, that might be a dark horse for the week. I don't know if that classifies as a dark horse, a guy like Max Homa, who's top 10 in the world. Plus 2,200. I wouldn't mind throwing some money at, at a guy like Max Homa to win this tournament. Inside the top 10, at plus 2,200 as far as Vegas odds go. For sure, for sure, he's pulling I, I, okay. a top 10. For okay, sure. so then now that we're here, right, let's do the dark horse and your favorite. Who's your, you want me to go first with dark horse or you want to go first? Go for it. All right, I'm going to go first. My dark horse is going to be... I'm torn between Justin. He let me down last time. Or I'm gonna go. Talk. I'm gonna go with, with Justin. I'm gonna go with Justin. Nah, I like Deshambo better. As a, as a you, dark horse, you could take Deshambo if you no, want. No, I won't. I like them better for you because Justin has let you down. And you talk about a guy that hasn't been in, in form. Justin Thomas has not but, been in form. But I'm wondering if if I, I, you want to make a side bet right here. I bet sure. you Ricky Fowler does better than than Damn, Justin Thomas. You know this I week. can't bet against my guy Ricky. Dog. I bet I that know Ricky Fowler from... does better than Justin Thomas I this week. Know, dog. Let's just put that out there. Let all right, we'll put, we'll all right, all right. I want to see. I want to make a note of that. But, but I want this to be a spot. Like, uh, let it be known for the records. Ricky's my boy from Vegas. Yeah, 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 you yeah. know, I'm, I, it's hard. I'm not going to be able to go against that I know, guy. Dog, dog. I know. But uh, okay, that's my dark horse. I'm going to go with just uh, Justin because I feel like. He's fucking do, man. All right. Well, then if that's the case, Max Homa's my dark horse. I'm going to say Max Homa. He's played there. He he knows the course well. He's a California guy. He does well in California. That's going to be my dark horse. Crazy that we didn't mention Tony Fino at all. And Why he's been playing. crazy? Because he's been playing pretty good lately. Nah. You know, he's been pretty, playing pretty good lately. Nah, no, no offense. Love you, Tony. But I, you're, not a, you're not my favorite or my dark horse going into this week. Okay. My favorite for this week is going to be. I'm going to be the safe pick and I'm going to say John Rahm because of those reasons that I said earlier that he hasn't necessarily had his best rounds back to back to back to back at a consistent level like he'd like. I feel like this is something that's really going to drive him to perform this weekend on a very tough course that's traditionally hard for a lot of golfers. He's going to be able to step up and say, this is the one that I'm going to go after because I'm going to prove that I'm the best golfer this year on one of the hardest courses of the season. So that's why I'm picking John Rahm. Say, I mean, bro, you can't go wrong, honestly, with the top three. Yeah, you can. You really can. Like, how can you, honestly, how can you pick between John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, and Brooks Kepka? Who, who are, are the top three guys going into this tournament? If there was a world ranking, Brooks would probably no, be number one right now. He's a, he'd be up there. He'd right? definitely be up there with his win at the PGA Championship. But um, Top three for I, it's sure. Hard. It's hard for me to pick, man. You know, with Brooks, he's in. He's firing on all cylinders right now. Kind of, you know, at the peak right now of his performance capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rested, well rested, not having to play a bunch of tournaments in between and all that stuff. Uh, I can definitely see him going out having a great week. Uh, but I can also see Scotty Scheffler, you know, going out and having a great week too. It, it's tough to pick, but. I think I'm going to go. I'm back in on Brooksy, man. I think I'm going to go like with Brooksy to, to win this week, man. Just because I, like I think I, I liked what I saw from him, especially after what he did in the Masters, coming up just short, letting that get away from him, capitalizing it in the PGA Championship. I think he's going to keep that running. And you talk about fairway finders. When that guy's on, dog, he's hitting bombs that end up, what, 150 yards or less to the to the pin? So this guy hitting bombs and getting into the fairway where he can get a real good look at an approach shot and put himself in a position to consistently hit birdies in the either front nine or back nine. Tough. tough. If he, if he finds fairways and that putter, that putter plays the way that it played, you know, even in if the it's PGA for, championship, he, he can run away with it. But we were talking about it, Joel, like what type of score is going to be able to win this tournament? A minus four, four, um, five, a minus five. So in reality, you're looking at a lot of pars and limiting your bogeys. Correct. And, and maybe he doesn't necessarily have the putter on fire, but if he's bur- putting for birdie on 60, 70 percent of the holes. Yeah. Missing the right spots. You know, and, you know, play, play everything smart, try to take advantage of the par fives. But, you know, par is your friend. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. This weekend, man, it's going to be great to watch. I know you're going to be covering. Make sure you guys uh, follow Miami Golf Rose because my dog's going to be putting up content like E motherfucker this weekend. I'm a meme curator, a golf meme curator <laughs> for the most part. So if you like good golf memes, 
holla at me. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think it's that time, Joel. We it's got to tell time, somebody to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell everybody that they know. To tell one more friend that if you're mourning like we are about the Heat and the Panthers, they need to hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. They need to hit that notification button on the YouTube channel because they'll be able to grieve with us and have a good laugh and join us as we move forward on with the Marlins. Hey. It, yeah, man. And on to the Dolphins soon, baby. Yes, sir. Only fans, make sure you guys are subscribed. I'm telling y'all, y'all don't want to miss it. Until next time, peace. peace.